Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology and Waters Technology. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Anthony Maliki, and the U.S. editor of Waters Technology. I feel like I've been away for a while, like we, because we did the one that went over the Christmas break. Right. We did that before. Yep. Yeah, so we I did that in December. December yeah, right, it's, been, since I've been here? it's been a while. It's been great. I haven't had to see you or talk to you for a while, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I... Uh, you know, I want to bring this up up top. So episode 52, some of you might be thinking, hey, that's one year. And some of you might be thinking, no, that's not one year. And most of you are probably thinking, I I wasn't thinking about it at all. The rest of you are probably thinking, I don't really care. This is a stupid podcast I barely listen to. But uh, for those of you that are listening, shout out, Mom. Um, uh, we did, Anthony and I did have a discussion about whether we're going to consider this our one-year anniversary. Well, this is definitely not, not our one-year anniversary. Well... It feels weird, first of all, talking about how this is our one-year anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) This is this relationship we've built. But it hasn't been an official year since we started. I believe we started around, the first podcast was around the 20th. But I wasn't sure, you know, episode 52, technically that's a year. Are you one of those people that celebrates your birthday five days before your birthday, just because it's a weekend or something like that? No, no, your birthday is on, my birthday September 20th. Feel free to send me gifts, guys. Um, No, but 52 is a nice, I mean, it's it's a nice round number number in terms of it's not a round at all i know it's not but you know the saying 52 there's 52 weeks in a year obviously uh is that a saying <laughs> you know where i was going with this are we right? gonna get a divorce before You're being a uh, real uh, asshole <laughs> <laughs> you know what two weeks wasn't long enough three weeks wasn't long enough i could have i could have done farther away from you for, for longer but uh you know we decided we thought it'd be good for the new year for 2017, regardless of whether this is our one year or not, um, to look at look ahead to 2017 and the regulations that are coming down the pipeline or the lack thereof regulations that are coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, one that we've talked about a lot is Reg AT, Regulation Automated Trading, um, specifically the source code provision has drawn a lot of light. Also, um, Anthony did a great job. These are two stories that he wrote. He also wrote about kind of the regulatory outlook specifically for asset managers in the U.S. and Europe. So we can kind of go a couple different directions. I think let's start with Reg AT because that's mm-hmm. probably the sexiest. Um, we had uh, the chairman of the CFTC, Timothy Massad, announced that he's resigning. Um once um, pres- uh, once President-elect Trump is essentially inaugurated, uh, that means there's two left with Sharon Bowen and uh, uh, J. John Car- um, Chris. Chris Chris John Carlo. Carlo. J. Jesus, man. Do you need me to take the wheel? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. To start, there are, you know, there's so much uncertainty heading into a Trump presidency, especially a Trump presidency. Um and we'll get into some of that toward the end um, going forward. But um, some pieces are starting to fall into place. So uh, Jay uh, Clayton has been announced as uh, he'll take over for Mary Jo White as uh, the head of the SEC. Um, Jay Clayton has been an attorney. Um, I can't remember the firm. I, I know we have it here somewhere. Um, but Sullivan and Cromwell. Yeah. And so they've represented... Uh, Goldman, I know Morgan. Yes. I want to say some 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 of the high name big uh, Wall Street names. Wall Street firms. It's a Wall Street law firm. Yeah. So, in all likelihood, he's going to be you know favorable toward the banking sector. Not going to bite the hand that's fed you for the past. You know, um, he's going to want to go back into the private sector at some point, right? Um, and then uh, replacing uh, Massad is uh, this isn't official yet. 
uh, J. Uh, Christopher Giancarlo. He's likely to take over at least as interim chairman of the CFTC, and he'll be joined by two other Republicans, right? He's uh, for a while now, he's been the only Republican um, joined by Massad and Bowen, who are Democrats. So he'll likely be joined by uh, two Republicans, and then uh, Bowen will be joined by a Democrat, in theory. We've had three commissioners for a long time now, so there's no guarantee that those spots will be uh, filled anytime soon. But uh, hopefully they do get at least one person onto that so that there is a two-to-one ratio instead of just two people that are going to be looking over these regulations. I want to I want to pause here real quick because you've been Team Giancarlo. Team we Giancarlo just, you tried to start a hashtag on Twitter. Didn't catch on. Don't know how yeah, don't know how successful it so was. A lot of racy pictures of Giancarlo <laughs> Stan. <laughs> uh why are you so confident that again, this is somebody that doesn't have a history in politics that Trump won't just come in and say, "You know what? I'm going to add you know, we get us up to the five, but I want my own guy running the show. I don't want John Car- Carlo. It's well, so that's why he might just be an interim person. But John Carlo, from what I've understood, is very good at promoting himself, um, and he has been very strong um, in his Republican ties. And uh, some of his decisions have, you know, been you know right in line with what you'd want out of a Republican on the CFTC bench. Mm-hmm. So there's, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, Trump might just say, no, I want to give somebody that I know a special appointment here um, to become chairman. That can happen. But in the interim, you got to think that that Giancarlo will take over at least as interim commissioner for a little while. And the key about that is that he's been very, very strongly opposed to a couple of things inside uh, the Reg AT. And as you mentioned, um, the source code provision, um, which we've written about a lot, uh, is is right at the top of that list. And, you know, just to kind of when I remember he they had um, a public hearing in November, I want to say. And like he's, you know, he's bringing in, you know, common law. He's bringing in Ben Franklin and stuff like that, saying how Bill un-American. Of yeah, Bill of Rights, uh, your Fifth Amendment rights. Um, he's bringing in all these things to just he just just blasted the source code provision on this. And I agree with him wholeheartedly on this. Ironic, though, bringing up things hundreds of years old about a regulation <laughs> about that's for modern trading. day technology. <laughs> a, little ir- a little irony. You don't there. ever really <laughs> expect to see that. Um, so, so just kind of reading tea leaves here, we got to think that the, the source code provision's gone. He also had a big problem with what makes an AT person. Um, so who is, you know... Is some farmer in Iowa who's, you know, just hedging his crops? Where's the line? You know, Where do we draw the line? Is he going to be an automated trade? You know, how do we define this? There's been a lot of contention around that. So that's like it gets scrapped. Now, if that gets scrapped, how do you kind of move forward with the whole bill until you really get that piece as to be specific as to who this is going to rule over? Well, so I wanted to ask you about that because I, I had that written down. So I know the AT person was a point of contention about the regulation Mm -hmm. but it didn't and you've written about this far more than i have but it didn't seem like it had nearly as much vitriol that was thrown at the source code provision that was where the real hate from firms kind of across the board were saying this is ridiculous when you're creating a coordinated attack you want to what's the easiest where's the where's the biggest weakness in the line okay Source code is very easy to attack on this Mm -hmm. one like this is this makes logical sense so pushing forward with this 
creating a repository of source code and being like, no, trust, trust us, it's going to be safe. And we've seen numerous leaks coming out of the SEC. And most notably, um, this was reported uh, just a little while ago, um, but this was from Value Walk. Uh, the, the, the Office of Inspector General for the SEC put out a report. And in it, they found an SEC quantitative analyst had downloaded confidential code to his personal computer. This is from Value Walk. Uh, quote, uh, the report revealed that an SEC analyst uh, powered, yada, 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 where's the interesting, uh, was charged with improperly requesting and downloading confidential computer code to his personal computer. And along with defrauding the SEC regarding hours worked, um, an issue first reported by the Wall Street Journal. He was fired for that, not for the illegality of downloading <laughs> the source code. Um, and I think that he's now working at the, is it the FDIC or something like that? So he's still back in like a regulatory right. position too, which is kind of crazy. Still in the government. So the source code provision is the weak point. All right, you get rid of that. You start poking holes in that. This is a bad idea, bad idea. Okay, cool. We agree with you. Bad idea, but let's now push forward with this. Well, we got to be more specific about what is an AT person. We can't really push forward with this unless we know what an AT person is. So now you start that fight next. Once you've gotten rid of the, you know, you, so you strip out the source code provision, and then I think that that's you climb the ladder. I, I get that. But even the, I, I remember at least hearing, and maybe this is all BS, that a lot of firms were okay with the regulation. There, were, there wasn't even grumblings like, this is bad for the industry, we don't want this. There, it kind of seemed acceptance of, okay, this is time, we need some some regulation in the, in this space. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand your point of saying, you start with what's the biggest kind of the top line thing that we can attack and we know we can bring down and, and holds the least amount of uh, substance. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of work our way up. But is that really what, I guess the industry never wants more regulation, but is that really what the industry is looking to do there? Or you think that... I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar. What is what is so bad about, I guess, um, AT, uh, who who is or isn't an AT person? These groups, it's their jobs. They don't want any they're lobby, regulation. Yeah, they're lobbyists. You know? So, mm -hmm. ideally, in a perfect world for them, I think that everybody, not everybody, there are going to be people, there are plenty of people, you know, your, um, you know, Sal Arnix and stuff like that, that, yeah, they want, you know, they want it to be a more fair, uh, competitive trading place as right. they see it. Uh -huh. um, that's those aren't my words. Those would be their words, but so but there are plenty of firms, you know, your, and your biggest firms that are going to be like, no, we're we have so many regulations already. We've had enough since 2010. Let's calm this all down. Why do we need Reg AT when we haven't? You know, what is this really addressing? Are we sure that this is the right thing? So um, and we'll kind of transition off this a little bit. But so Bloomberg, uh, a couple analysts from Bloomberg put on a webinar yesterday. And Nathan Dean, uh, who's their government analyst uh, in the uh, for the U.S., he said that there's a good chance uh, Reg AT as a whole be indefinitely delayed or severely limited. So he didn't even just break it out like I had written an opinion piece about how the source code provision's dead. Right. He's kind of looking at it as Reg AT is in deep trouble as a whole, though there might be pieces of it that might go forward. But what you're seeing today in the Reg AT provision. Um, uh, proposal, it's not going to look anything like what a final rule would look like, assuming right. that we get to the to the final line. Um, so the industry's done well for themselves. You know, again, you know, there's a reason why the banking sector, their stocks are going through the roof right sure. now, and that's because uh, a Trump presidency is very favorable for them. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's just what it is uh, right now. So, you know, for Reg AT. That one's probably 
it, it, there's no your reason. prediction would be it's done. I I think it's I think it's definitely done, or that they might take they might create a new rule, unrecognizable, just the best things of what Reg AT was, and put it into some Strip it other out new and, thing. because yeah. there you know there should be some oversight of automated training, of course, but there's a long way to go, and Reg AT was certainly not a perfect bill to begin with. Um, so that kind of brings back. So Bloomberg did this whole um, uh, regulatory outlook. Yeah, regulatory outlook 2017, and. It's just this isn't saying anything crazy or, you know, underneath a Trump presidency, there's going to be a likely a moratorium on or if not a, a total just repeal of any new regulations coming down the pike. That's for the financial services sector in general. It's likely if you look at the people that he's what he's run on and how pro business he is and you look at the people that he's already appointing. So uh, they made an interesting point. I thought that on the asset management side in the U.S., they were breathing easy because next step underneath uh, Hillary Clinton uh, presidency, should she had won, was going to be the asset management space was going to take uh, on greater oversight to match what we've seen on the banking sector side. Mm -hmm. um, that's now unlikely to happen in the U.S. Meanwhile, in the U.K., um, because of MIFID II and then what the FCA is doing. Uh, they, they're publishing a report uh, looking at a market study into the asset management industry. And in Q2 of this year, they're going to put out their findings and proposals that they want to address concerns that they have. And as was laid out by, oh, what was her name? Um, Mahmoud. Uh, Sarah. Sarah Jane uh, Mahmoud. Um, let's see here. The... I'm trying to see here. Apologies here. Well, so uh, yeah. So, thirty thousand of view is that regulations are going to get harder in Europe for asset managers, easier in the United States. Yeah. That's thirty thousand of view. Yeah. Now, and you mentioned this at the end of your story. End of the day, global economy. Mm. Europe's playing in USA. USA's playing in Europe. What when you know for a lot everyone's called kind of MIFID to the Dodd Frank of Europe. Is this kind of just a a leveling maybe of the of the playing fields kind of as u.s halts some of its regulation kind of europe catches up well you I, th I think europe has been ahead of the game uh when it's come to regulation i mean they're on mifid two now this is mifid one they're right. on solvency two. you know they, they, there have been rules in place that they're just expanding upon mm -hmm. now um so i would say that this will create a deeper uh division between uh the two regions um, going forward, but like I said, it's a global economy. Everything's interconnected. So, and there are already so many rules in place for asset managers that I don't know on the IT front that this is going to really change so many things. Um, like you have SEC Rule 22E4, which looks at liquidity for mutual funds. That's not going anywhere. That's still a reporting requirement that's going to be in place. That's going to have to be there uh, going forward. Now, there are other rules toward derivatives reporting and stress testing. Those might be weakened or fully taken out of what the SEC was looking at uh, going forward. But you know, there's still plenty there that it's not like, oh, okay, we're done here. And so I'm PIMCO. I don't have to worry about a thing you know, anymore going forward about my IT projects related to No one's kicking their feet up and saying, all right, let's have a cocktail and yeah. relax. And if anything, you know, it's, it's interesting. I wrote back in the summer about trump and his potential presidency and how when he had, was making statements on the campaign trail about i'm going to roll back dodd frank i'm going to put a moratorium on on financial regulation 
I kind of said, you know, that sounds like a terrible idea. And I still, to a sense, I think that is a terrible idea because technology moves so fast and is so quick that if we take a second to, to stop, it's going to move that much quicker and the gap's going to be that much quicker because it takes long enough already for regulations to be put in place. And if we even give a year or 18 months, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Now, that being said, what's the number one complaint we hear at every single one of our conferences? The stream regulations isn't stopping. It's more regulations, more regulations. Well, and it's also for what we talk about the advancement of technology and like you're looking at machine learning. Like let's say let's take an idea here about spoofing, okay? Mm -hmm. A machine learning based um, uh, program, trading program, mm -hmm. all right? Is it spoofing if it's intentionally sending out orders that is trying to learn how the market reacts and stuff like that? There, there's still no guidance over right. what that is. Right. And there's no way that any of these regulars are just changing all the time and they're short-staffed and they don't have the uh, tech budgets that they need to really understand this stuff. So, you know, but I think that going forward, so there's a moratorium, which I think is a good thing, but yeah, there does need to be more oversight, but you're not going to get that, even if Hillary Clinton, I think, was in there, because they're not going to know how to properly target these things. But the, the to your point, right, with the machine learning, is that spoofing, is that not spoofing? I don't think the response, and I'm not saying this, but I don't think the response is to say, oh, well, screw it. We're just not going to look at it. Like, there, we need to figure something out. And that's I understand where the source code provision came from, this stupid idea that we have to create something that to show. wasn't, and it's as Sharon Bowen said, to say, we feed two, we feed two hands. You know, it's uh, whatever her, the statement she, she used was where she said, well, listen, you know, yeah, we have to overlook the markets, but then we do have to In worry the about guy. the public – I get the that. public eye has no freaking idea what a source code is. I get that, but we also should have – there needs to be something on the books about this type of technology and where it kind of falls and what the kind of jurisdiction is around it. I think to kind of just kind of do the emoji shoulder shrug and be like, well, you know, whatever it is what it is, that's not that's, – in my opinion, that's not a viable option. There needs to be some t something on the books, some type of, of – Maybe it's because I'm Republican, but I think that putting – Bad rules on the book are is more dangerous than putting than having no rules on the book. Bad rules, a source code provision is a, would have been a terrible thing. That and is, then there's plenty of other things. You got to responsibly move forward. I think on these kind of things. Now, that's not you know. I think that the reporting requirements that that the buy side has taken on specifically with form PF, uh, form CPO, PQR, other things. Um, those are all good things because there was no oversight of hedge funds. There was no, you know, kind of uh, these commodity pool operators. So now there is a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, there are good things that certainly come out. I think that we're in a good spot now. And this is not – I'm not a lawyer. Right? Like, this <laughs> is an opinion I have. I, what the hell do I know? Um, but I, I think that so much has been done since 2010 that maybe there was a little bit of, okay, we can kind of pump the brakes here just a little bit. Now, if this means a full repeal of things, of Dodd-Frank, you know, again, the Bloomberg guys, they said, you know, you're not going to see a full repeal of Dodd-Frank. You know, right. It's, it's, it's too much already in place, and it's too much good already in place. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, there's certainly a danger of saying no regulation, of pulling things away. Sure, there's definitely that. But there are also, as we move forward, as technology becomes more sophisticated, I think that we have to responsibly move forward with regulation and fully understand what we're, what we are overseeing. Don't say to me we have to uh, make sure that Main Street's okay with you know algorithmic trading. No, no. Be smarter than just do the best for Main Street, but you don't have to drag them along in this regard. In my opinion, I no, I, I I I see where you're coming from 
I guess, and I and I don't disagree with you that you know we had this debate a while ago, and I was probably softer on source code than I the source code provision than I should have been. But I agree that that was a bad idea. It was a it was a bad revision to to the regulation or a bad portion of the regulation. But all that being said, I just I think to kind of to sit back and say, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but I'm saying for some people to say, well, we'll just you know, there's no way we could figure out properly, so screw it. I think there needs to be a little bit more of, of an effort. And maybe that's just the way the government's set up and, and the regulators are set up, the fact that they're so short-staffed and have s- such poor funding. But something needs to be done because this technology is not going to stop. It's going to keep progressing. And every day, every minute, the regulators kind of wait to kind of put something in place or to, and not put the clamps down on it, but set some level of precedent is going to be another day that they're going to figure out more way to make money for themselves and screw people out of money. Like that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. That's what, that's it comes what wall down street to. has always been right. Sure. Of people course. out of money. Of and course. Everybody's doing okay. In my yeah. opinion, you know, so just understand you're going to be screwed out of your money in some ways, but you're also going to make money. But as long as everybody knows <laughs> how they can and can't get screwed out of money. That is my point. I think that the one thing I would ask you then is because we, uh, Dan and I, we, we uh, uh, went to an event, uh, so, uh, Golden Source um, was put on the EDM, Enterprise Data Management uh, Provider. And you know, one of the conversations that we were having with, that, with the guys there was you know, this idea of, okay, so underneath the Trump presidency, obviously there's going to be a moratorium or whatever. For years now, I've been here for basically eight years, I think, and so that's underneath the Obama presidency and mainly underneath, um, you know, over this regulatory over wave that we've seen. And everything that we ever hear, oh, it's regulatory driven. You know, right now it's just every, every all the guys that go up on, guys and girls go, go up on stage um, for us CIOs, CTOs are like, yeah, most of our IT projects are regulatory driven. 60% of our budget, 70% of our budget is going toward regulatory. We innovate around regulations. Yeah. It's all. And trying to figure out how to take those things that you create for regulations and use them in other areas so it's not all just geared toward regulation, but regulation is the driver, the jumping right. off point. Will this? Will we see two years from now? What would be? Do you think that that kind of changes? Uh, what will be pushing IT budgets? Will it be something else? Will we be going back toward, you know, creating more internal proprietary um, systems and more budgets in house? Um, and which would that would that create a tougher game for vendors? Or will firms look to still partner with third parties? I think that would be an interesting question. One I have no idea. Uh, how yeah, it be going forward? I, yeah, I think that it's going to be a matter of, I think this will give firms, for better or for worse, a chance to catch their breath mm-hmm. and kind of take a step back. I think there's still enough regulations that are already down the pipe, far down the rabbit hole that need to be put in place yeah. or already in place that is going to take up, chew up plenty of the tech budget, you know. But yeah, there. it seems like no matter what, there's going to be that, whether it's 5% or 10% or 15%, whatever of firms on the buy and sell side's tech budget that was allotted for regulation that now is going to be a little spent on something else and how what kind of leads that innovation yeah i don't i don't know it's probably going to go back to probably proprietary stuff that's going to be a differentiator that's going to set them apart i mean that's what machine learning kind of technologies and really kind of being able to dedicate budget you know also what's going to happen with the economy you know right now we are there's no reason why we should be up around Dow 20k you know that there's nothing in the market that says that we should just be that the market should be skyrocketing up so when we hit 20k will there eventually be a if come down we hit if 20. we hit 20k um so that doesn't mean while we're safe right now you know is this the time to start 
stocking up and preparing for whatever that next bubble might bring. Buy gold and um, uh, canned foods. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, just uh, get or at least get some offshore uh, housing or something <laughs> like that. If, you <laughs> if I could afford a gold brick, I would buy it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. I guess kind of with this overall theme, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest story definitely of the year so far, um, you know, probably of years to come is now this dossier, this, this, uh, you know, golden gate, this go- yeah, golden gate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, what San Francisco? What, what, what are you talking about? Oh, golden gate. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you are likely familiar with what we're talking about, but there was a uh, dossier of kind of information, uh, Unverified information by a British intelligence person that was unverified that uh, has apparently been circulating the media around since October. Well, been circulating September? amongst well, amongst level un- security it's, people and President right. Obama, uh, President elect Trump before he was President elect. Um, John McCain, CIA director, FBI, and then also right, but then the it cir- started circulating throughout the media yeah, to November, different. I think is when yes, to different high level, uh, you know, media publications. No one, you know, there were. I believe there was a Mother Jones columnist that kind of mentioned it va- very vaguely, mm-hmm. but he didn't touch on specifics. No one kind of was willing to go in on it, and uh, then on what was it? It was on Monday. No, Tuesday on. Tuesday, uh, yeah, on Tuesday, CNN reported that this thing existed, mm-hmm. but didn't report any of the facts. And they and asked a lot of sources. They interviewed a bunch of people, you know, on background, you know, unnamed sources. But they interviewed a lot of people, and they couldn't get any verification. They said, so this dossier does exist. It is being passed around. And then BuzzFeed mm-hmm. <laughs> decided, yeah, screw it. We're just going to publish the whole thing. Let bygones be bygones. So without uh, any reporting, without any sort of, you know, just kind of, and just, I believe the quote and was, they even uh, said themselves. yeah, we didn't verify any of this. None of this is potentially factual, but we're we, going out there for you to decide the American public. Yeah. And then I, I don't know if you saw this, this just was reported by the AP today. Um, uh, the vice president came out and said that the reason why, uh, Joe Biden and, uh, Obama were briefed on this was because the uh, Secret Service agency and whatnot, the high-level agencies, were worried that this information might leak, which is kind of just the snake eating its tail. Mm -hmm. So the media reports on it because this was reported to high levels, and higher levels reported it to the the high levels because they were afraid the media was going to leak it, and it's Mm -hmm. and on and on we go. Could go in a lot of directions with this. Uh, First, what is your take on possibly the worst – you know, it's Al Qaeda versus ISIS. It's Trump versus BuzzFeed. Who who you got? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far in uh, the comparison. As much as I hate Trump, maybe that's a bit hyperbole. A little bit. But. A little bit. Um, I disagree with what BuzzFeed did. Now, let me start. I guess by let's give the devil's advocate argument here, and for that, I'll look to Jack Schaefer, who's um he's been a media uh, reported on the media for decades, and I I, I really respect his work. He's a good journalist, and he's a really smart guy. takes good angles on it. And so he writes for Politico. He's also written in the past for Slate and Reuters, uh, some other places. Um, he was okay. He, he, he said the thing. If you're asking me if I'm Ben Smith, editor of BuzzFeed, do I publish the whole thing? And he says, yes, I do. And he wrote a long column on this. But basically, to break it down, he said, uh, and this quote, this is from uh, Schaefer. He says, when such a report is flung about by people in power, as this one was, and its allegations are beginning to inform governance, 
more damage is done to trust in government and confidence in journalism by withholding it from public scrutiny. So you have CNN saying, we've interviewed a lot of people, we've reported on this, it does exist out there. Well, naturally, the next question would be like, I want to know what's in it. You know, if, if these are being passed around to CIA director, to President Obama, to, you know, just diff everybody and their mother, or eight people in this case, <laughs> and it is being passed on to media people, you know, I want to know what's in it. Why are you all keeping this from me? I want to see what's in it for myself. I understand that there is an argument to be made for that. In this case, there were outright lies, stuff that they knew were just not true, and then there was just stuff, you know, the pee well, party with well, hookers well, and stuff well, like that. Well, you well, know? well alleged, alleged. Let's, <laughs> alleged. Because I'm not too sure about libel or yeah, slander, yeah. so let's be careful. With so these <laughs> things were in it. Um, and I, I just believe that the job of journalism, responsible journalism, it's not just to put out every single rumor out there. Obviously, the people at Gawker are going to disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that, and Jack Schaefer disagrees with what I'm saying here, and I really respect his opinion. Um, but I just think that you that the job of media, once you stop believing at these reports, because now CNN is being lumped in with BuzzFeed. What CNN reported was, yes, there is this dossier that exists out there. We've, we've reported it. We've interviewed a bunch of high-ranking officials that have seen it, that have spoken with people that know about it and everything like that. We can't corroborate anything about it, so that's why we're not going to put it in here. It does exist. Okay, well, I want to ask you about that. It did, is, so you believe CNN handled it correctly? Yeah. You don't think it was a half measure where they're trying to play both sides of the fence in that, oh, we're not going to report on anything because we can't corroborate, but there is this thing that people are saying there's a lot of— there's a lot of bad stuff well, to in it. what J Jack Schaefer says, it is being passed around to a lot of high-level people there. So it is being talked about amongst people that are governing us. Which so, yeah. now, according to the vice president, was because they thought that this exactly was going to happen. Yeah, you know, well, you got to wonder, you know, the, how much he's, you know, kind of trying to play clean up there. But so I think that CNN said, hey, listen, this does exist. There's a lot of ties here. There's a lot of worry, but there's nothing that is confirmed yet. BuzzFeed just going, here's the 35 pages. We we haven't done anything to prove or disprove any of this. We, we haven't proved anything on it. But here you go. Take a look and read it. That's what kind of pisses me off. It's just that you're just going to throw it out there and just say, and I understand it's the, you know, the whole point of journalism to provide transparency. And I understand there's like, but there's gray areas, there's nuance to this, I believe, yeah. um, at the highest levels. And, you know, and the problem that I think that we're facing here is that you have, you know, the, the people on the left, liberals on the left saying, oh, we hate fake news. This is killing our country. Fake news. God, I love this. This is great. Report more. Thank you, BuzzFeed, for going. When it's your guy, you're happy. When it's the other guy, well, that's or when the base of all politics. Yeah. It's, it's but that's the American public now. And so as that becomes more, I really do believe it. There was more. All right, you know, this is just bad. But now we're just seeing on WikiLeaks if it hits Trump, we're happy. If if, if you hate Trump, if it hits Hillary and we hate Hillary, we're happy. But if it's my guy, no, now I'm pissed off. And once you start having a population of people that are reacting in that way. Well, then, yeah, more and more media outlets are just going to keep on just publishing every single little stupid thing that comes out. And then we'll say, hey, yeah, you decide whether it's real or not. That, to me, isn't journalism. That's not responsible. Um, and once you start, once you start 
equating these rumors to real news, to actual journalism and news reporting, you know, just reporting rumor, I think that, you know, we're going to run into trouble and just people aren't going to trust, you know, journalism. I think we're already, you know, heading there in a lot of ways, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I too, had a problem with BuzzFeed just kind of throwing it out there and just saying, yeah, this is what we found, so... Here you go. Go ahead. Take a look. We don't know if any of it's why true or not. Why did the New York Times pass on? Why did the Post pass on? And why, why did all these you know, other things? Because they couldn't cooperate in right. any way. I fall a little bit harder in on with CNN because so CNN posted it, and then an hour later, BuzzFeed, I believe, released it. I think they saw the door open, and they just kicked through. You know, So the, CNN cracked the door open. They said, ah, well, CNN's already done it, so now we have Well, I'm wondering, do you think it's the other way around where CNN caught wind of, oh, BuzzFeed's going to release this. Let's get let's get ahead of this. See, that's what I wonder. And then it's like, you know, you just wanted to be first in something, and you're kind of playing both sides of the fence. Because then also CNN came out and said, "Don't lump us in." Basically said, "Don't lump us in with BuzzFeed." We reported to public uh, calling its decision to publish carefully. So CNN saying they published carefully sourced reporting about the operations of our government is vastly different than BuzzFeed's decision to publish um, uh, publish um, ups unsubstantiated memos yeah i mean uh, if you look if you boil down the substance of what cnn reported a bunch of high a bunch eight high level people have been have been and cnn just was reported on the two-page dossier so the two-page dossier was built off of this 35 or whatever page right. it was at buzzfeed thing the dossier didn't have the pea party and all that in it <laughs> well, like alleged pea alleged party. party i just um, i just think that uh, when you bo- so you boil it down and you say okay what is CNN saying it's saying that the president the vice president and the president elect and high level officials in the government were informed of this dossier that was compiled um, by that what had- was as they said a very highly credible uh, sp- uh, British spy uh, with but they get briefed on stuff but the way I look at it is they that's not a new story because you can't confirm it and if they get briefed on stuff all the time then I don't know. It's to to play also devil's advocate, I don't agree with the fact that at the um, that at the press conference Trump refused to basically take questions from CNN and BuzzFeed. Um, you know, not to kind of I'm not trying to you know I was bashing CNN and BuzzFeed, but at the end of the day they have the right to ask questions as everybody else, and for you to basically kind of turn your back now. I mean, BuzzFeed is one thing, but turn your back on CNN, one of the the biggest news organizations in the definitely in the country, if not the world. We have a president that's going out there telling people to buy LL Bean. Like what the hell? What 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 reality are we living in right now that it, it's all going to be ridiculous? It's just weird. It's just weird the fact that everything's going through Twitter. Um the fact that we're, you know, the news broke and then the first thing he's tweeting is in all caps, this is fake news and like you just think about the way Barack. Meanwhile, he's the, Barack- guy, he's the guy that said, "I think Russia should hack into Hillary Clinton. We need more of this." Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? Jesus. You know, you you have somebody. You think about President Barack Obama and how he would handle thing something like this, and then you think about how Trump is handling it. And not even Barack Obama. Think about another. You know, Bush wouldn't have handled it this way. Right. Reagan I'm just. I'm just. He's just. The, this way. You know, the the, pres- the yeah. easiest to compare. Yeah. Not to say you know, but it's just. Um, it's going to be a weird four years, you know. It, I know that's been obvious already, but this just right off the bat. We're not even at inauguration day, man. That's yeah. insane. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. What right now? Before we even, do you think, do you think he makes it four years? I can't imagine. I really do. But a resignation, an impeachment, 
impeachment will certainly uh, the impeachment articles of impeachment I fully believe will be given now whether that ends his presidency who knows but we're gonna definitely get there at some point here so you I think, gotta believe that. uh do you how think, reckless he is right now he's just do you think he would so he he would pull the you know get impeached but then resign do you think he would pull go oh that no road? I don't think he would resign I think you don't this think would he, become a bitter bitter fight oh I mean, you remember, think he Clinton goes, was impeached too right no no so yeah you can be impeached like, and not yeah. lose yeah but you don't think he would try to save it you think he's going down with the ship Oh, I think he'd fight to the bitter end. See, I could see him, if he gets impeached, being like, you know what, I tried to drain the swamp, but I couldn't. It's ridiculous. I'm going back to my great company, and I'm going to make billions, billions people, and then just kind of, yeah, and then just walk (laughs) away. So, do you think there's there's no way he makes the four years? I think there's a way he makes the four years. Article of impeachment will definitely be delivered at some point. You say he definitely will be impeached. Definitely. Not necessarily lose office, but he definitely, will, that, definitely that, will be impeached. I would put money on that. If there's an, a Vegas wow. line on this, I would put money on that. And I really just don't you see You get him. good money on that, I'm sure. If, if you had to ask me what I actually think, I don't think he gets four years um, in office. What are the odds you think that he runs for a second term? Not even wins a second term. Gets the opportunity to represent the Republican Party. I'm fully, I fully believe that he never thought he was going to win the presidency and that he didn't necessarily want it. Yeah. It would. So if he does get that four years, he might be like, all right, good. Wipe your hands. There you go. I'm and done I'm with this now, guy. <laughs> I did my job. Here. America is great again. Yeah. I'm going back to my business. Trump yeah. Towers. Yeah. You're fired. You really got to work on this. Uh, on this. I got four years. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. My time's limited. My time's limited. I think that's it for uh, for this week. Anthony, you have anything else to add? That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, be sure to tune back in next Thursday. One year. <laughs> Our one year.